0: Is Back to Debbie, a show brought to you by Campus to Canton. This podcast specializes in collegiate football players and their potential for future fantasy success in the NFL. I'm your host, Corey Pereira, and you will not be hearing my co-host, Mike Valerie, as he is busy down at the Senior Bowl this week, getting the scoop at the ground level over there, so we'll be sure to check in with him next week of everything he learned over at the Senior Bowl. And truth be told, he thought he could record this episode, but we probably should have known in advance that it was going to be difficult, and I probably should have got somebody to come on with me today so instead you're getting a solo podcast from me and I mean I'm the better half anyway so this is what you guys have really come here to listen for so without further ado let's go ahead and get into the news for this week It is a pretty light news week overall, but there is a few things that I just want to touch on, starting with five star wide receiver Ryan Williams, who reclassified to this year's class. I think he's my current wide receiver, too, in this freshman class, to be honest. But he recommitted to Alabama this past week after kind of scaring us that he was going to go over to Auburn, which none of us really like too much, but love the fact that he's going over to Alabama to be in that Kalen DeBoer offense. You know, we saw what he's done with those wide receivers there the past two years, and with the way that wide receiver core is stacked up right now, there's a pretty good chance that he could see some good playing time in year one and possibly break a lot of those year one zero thresholds that we want to see in other transfer news um, former five-star wide receiver i think two years ago at this point chris marshall um, never really saw eye-to-eye with his coaches at Texas A&M. Got suspended for, I think, smoking weed, I think, in, in his locker room or something like that. Transferred over to Ole Miss. Never saw eye-to-eye with them and never even saw a game with them after butting heads with the staff there as well. He actually played Juco last year. There are some rumors out there that he could be committing to Boise State to become another weapon for Malachi Nelson over there. So possibly a rebirth for him over there, but he's probably not someone I'm super interested in right now. Heading over to some coaching news, where now former Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh is going to be headed to the NFL to be the Los Angeles Chargers uh, new head coach. Um, that means they have an opening there, and it looks like they're going to go ahead and promote uh, their offensive coordinator from last year, Sharon Moore. He was the guy who was the interim coach during Harbaugh's suspension last year. Went 4-0 and during that time. Um, so yeah, I'm not really expecting much of a change from them offensively, and it should be you know another relatively strong year for Michigan headed into next year. Uh, and just a reminder, in case you guys have been living under a rock, I'm sure you guys know this, but it is all-star season in the draft cycle, which means the Shrine Bowl has been going on since last week, and we've got the Senior Bowl this week. Um, for the Shrine Bowl, it sounds like you know early standouts for guys that we really care about. Virginia wide receiver Malik Washington, who had a great year this year. Um, USC wide receiver Taj Washington, who is, I think, the leading wide receiver for USC this year. And Illinois' wide receiver Isaiah Williams, who's kind of a do-it-all guy for them. He's been standing out, so... Uh, keep an eye on those three names going forward, and then of course with the with uh, Senior Bowl just starting this week, um, we've got Mike down there, like I mentioned, boots on the ground, so we'll be able to get all the good tidbits from him uh, during next week's episode and kind of um, rack his brain on the winners and losers from his week over there. And, guys, be sure to head over to the website at campusdecanton.com where you can become a member with one of our many subscription options, some of which include access to our draft guides that will be coming off this offseason, our one-of-a-kind CFF projections, uh, our advanced metric tools you see posted all over Twitter, and, of course, the brand-new C2C Winning Edge. That thing is going to keep you updated on all the school depth charts, um, statistical projections, the returning production throughout the upcoming offseason as well. It might be the best source for the transfer portal out there. I just got a sneak peek uh, at this uh, new database that's coming out in about two days. Um, so you guys are going to want to get in there and get a good look at that, um, and make sure you guys are checking out our family of podcasts and the YouTube channel to help guide you guys through the off season. Now, we're going to kick it off here with some rookie profiles. Um, you know, we've kind of been taking the top of this class here. Um, if you guys want to go back uh, in recent episodes, we've looked over Marvin Harrison, Malik Neighbors, Kayla Williams, and Drake May, uh, looking at the top of our class at these positions. Um, so, you know, I was going to save this to do with Mike, but, you know, uh, this might not be that long of an episode of doing a solo pod here. So I am going to give you some brief thoughts on our RB1 and RB2 of the class Starting with Wisconsin running back Braylon Allen, who is both our consensus running back one coming into this draft class. And, you know, this is a kid who just has uh, one of the most intriguing profiles, I think, um, that we've seen. You know, uh, from a size standpoint, uh, at 6'2, 238 pounds, not a size that we see every day for running backs. Uh, And from a statistical standpoint, I mean, one of the youngest breakouts we've ever seen broke out as a 17 year old in that Wisconsin offense, over 1,200 yards rushing and 12 touchdowns on that season. Um, And you could really see the growth that he had throughout the year. You know, this guy was thought of as a linebacker almost coming into Wisconsin, and you could kind of see his vision developing. know getting a little bit more agile getting understanding that how to win at the second level understanding how to win at the line of scrimmage um, followed it up with a spectacular second season pretty similar from a stat perspective over 1200 yards rushing 11 touchdowns this year um, through those two years only caught 21 balls though so that was a part of his profile that we wanted to see and then you know lo and behold they bring in Phil Longo from UNC in his third season to kind of run what we like to call the dairy Raid a little bit, which, you know, was a little bit of a form of the Air Raid, which wasn't really something that Benson was, was going to be used to, right? And it was a lot more running out of the shotgun. Didn't exactly suit, um, he didn't suit this scheme very well. But we did get to see a lot more receiving usage. You know, he got 20 receptions on the year. That's more than doubling um, his previous two years combined and he looked fairly comfortable doing it so that was a part of his profile that I like to see but it was a bring down in raw production you know he didn't even hit a thousand yards on the year but he was dealing with shoulder and ankle injuries as well um so I mean you have to kind of take that year for what it is There's there's certain aspects of Braylon Allen's game that are gonna need to be situational based you know like he's, he's not a guy that you should be running on a shotgun full-time all the time you know he's a guy who thrived more back in the previous two years when they were running him out of the I formation you know this guy's a rare size speed um, um, combo of a guy, you know, and he's going to intrigue guys to the next level. Um, I think he moves laterally laterally better than he's given credit for. Um, I think he has pretty good vision. I think that part of his game is still developing a little bit, um, but, you know, he, he's grown year over year. I think he lacks a little bit of patience when he's approaching the line, you know, um, kind of goes 100 miles an hour a lot of the time. I'd like to see him slow down a little bit and let his blocks set up in front of him, and there are some aspects of his game, you know, that I don't think he necessarily plays to his size all the time, you know, very reminiscent of like A.J. Dillon coming out of Boston College, not a lot of times you saw that guy just truck a guy right out of his shoes and hit the ground, you know, that you don't necessarily see that a lot in Braylon Allen's profile, but he has great contact balance to break through arm tackles, and he has, you know, sneaky speed, you know, breaking down, breaking big runs down the field, I mean, he's had the longest run in Wisconsin history with like a 96-yard run right off the goal line there, so he does a lot of things really well, you know, he's young, he's got rare traits, I think he's got softer hands and even I expected you know I I, the common comparison that a lot of people are going to go with here is Derek Henry you know I'm not sure if he's really that you know the floor could be Gus Edwards that's another one of the uh, comparisons that my co-host Mike Valerie likes to use Um, I still think he's probably the closest thing we've seen to Derrick Henry entering the league, but the answer probably actually lies somewhere in between those two. So uh, I'm still pretty high on Braylon Allen. I just think he's very intriguing at the next level, and I still think there's some, with how young he is, I mean, he won't even turn until 21 until after his rookie season. So there's some untapped potential there and some untapped development um, coming into the league that he could capitalize on still and grow throughout his years in the league as well. So I'm still really intrigued by him. He's going to be my RB1 this year. And, you know, I'm not sure if he would have been my running back one if some of the other guys um, decided to to enter like Travion Henderson or, you know, if Trey Benson actually had a year to follow up his previous year. We'll get into him shortly here, too. But for right now, I'm holding steady with him as my running back one. And I just think that, you know, if a team is going to spend the capital on him, and I think he is going to end up as a day two pick, I think they're going to come in with the right set of, the right frame of mind and not, you know jam him into a role that he's not well suited for you know good coaches in the NFL play to their players strengths and I think they know Braylon Allen's a player that is going to excel more like Derrick Henry has excelled at this level I mean you don't see Derrick Henry being run out of shotgun a whole bunch so I think if, uh, if when a team is going to be taking him they're going to have the right idea in mind about how to use him now let's head on over to me and Mike's consensus running back two in this upcoming draft, and that's Florida State running back Trey Benson. And this guy's just had a whirlwind of a career, really, when you look back on uh, on a lot of the things he had. You know, was a freshman in 2020, um, committed to Oregon, had a gruesome knee injury before the season even started, essentially lost that 2020 season and that 2021 season while recovering from that injury. Never really got a chance there at Oregon, ended up transferring to Florida State in 2022. He entered the season as the backup running back, but he was really flashing all year and eventually took over that lead role. Um, He ended up finishing top three in missed tackles force, yards after contact, and breakaway percentage in the entire Power 5, despite only receiving double-digit touches three times before Week 7. So this guy was a late bloomer, really took uh, off after the injury to their starting running back, and never really gave the job back, kind of a Wally Pipp situation. Finished with just shy of 1,000 yards rushing, 10 yards short of that mark, but did hit 1,134 scrimmage yards on the year with that receiving yardage that he hit as well. So obviously, you know, this season got everyone pretty excited um, this past year, coming into this year, but honestly, he was slightly underwhelming coming into this season. You know, after showing some of that great patience that he had, some of the great vision that he had in that first year at Florida State, he almost seemed too patient at times, almost needed to get downhill a little bit faster. Seemed like he was... You know, looking for a cutback lane that wasn't necessarily there. Instead of just following his blocks that time, you know, he still showed some of that big playability uh, and contact balance to bounce off defenders. But he almost brought contact on himself with the way some with the way he was reading the line of scrimmage. Sometimes he still has some pretty soft hands. You know, showed some kick return ability as well during his career with a one hundred and one yard touchdown in twenty. 20- 2022 as a returner, and, you know, has the contact balance and athleticism that has earned him some comparisons to Javante Williams um, of the Denver Broncos right now, but I don't, I don't think he's that violent of a, of a runner. Um, my personal comparison for him has been, you know, David Montgomery, who was another guy who was a high-miss-tackled force guy in college, um, needed to learn to get downhill and change uh, his running style a little bit when he got into the NFL, uh, and now has earned a long career in the NFL, and, and kind of as a downhill guy, and, and learned to use his traits better at the NFL level. I see a lot of the same things with Benson that could see him having to make some of the same adjustments at the next level, um, possibly being a slow starter and eventually blossoming blossoming into something down this, um, at, at the further we get along. So again, another guy I'm picturing as, a, as a, a day two pick in this NFL draft. It seems like the draft Knicks are still pretty high on him, holding him in high regard. So I like that part. That's giving me more confidence uh, in what I'm seeing. It was an el- underwhelming season, but he has translatable, translatable traits to the next level. So I really think that he has a future in the NFL, but there is some skepticism there and there is some concern there that you're going to have to weigh yourself and I'm honestly not sure that any running back in this class is going to be worthy of a first round selection in your upcoming rookie drafts this year so he might come at like a decent value um in the second round I mean I've been doing some mock drafts where he's falling to like the mid to late second round at that price I'm going to be willing to take a shot and hope that he can kind of continue to develop at the next level for a guy who really hasn't been a starter that long at the collegiate level so that's going to wrap up our two rookie profiles for the week. And again, if you guys want to get our opinion on um, some other rookie profiles, uh, be sure to check out our old past episodes. Um, and be sure to keep listening as we're going to keep going through two rookie profiles uh, a week as we get closer to the draft here, but we're going to keep moving right along here, um, and, you know, with the portal window dying down and a lot of the coaching changes kind of dying down and seeing the the after effects of that, I wanted to kind of take a look at the portal winners and losers from uh, this last period that we just had, um, and, you know, I want to take a look at it from, from all angles. I want to take a look at it from the guys who were actually in the portal, and I want to take a look at it from... Um, the players' perspectives that might have, you know, uh, benefited from players coming in or, you know, are maybe in a worse situation because certain players have left. And, you know, we're going to go by position here and just kind of look over some winners and losers. Um, So let's go ahead and start with the quarterback position. And the first guy I want to talk about as a winner from this last period uh, is Mr. Ole Miss quarterback Jackson Dart. Um, who had a really nice season last year um, after having a pretty good season during his first year with Ole Miss uh, two seasons ago. Uh, But, you know, there were some parts to his profile that were a little bit concerning, you know, kind of a little bit of a gunslinger high. Rate of turnover worthy plays through eight picks that season as well, but you know he actually got better in a lot of categories the following year. Got you know better completion percentage, um, threw for more raw production, better touchdowns, um, less interceptions, and you know that turnover worthy play dropped uh, almost by a full percent. You know and still had the high A dot percentage, so still making those high value throws that we like to see from a quarterback, but. He did have a concerningly high sack rate, or at least a lot higher than the years past. It increased. He had 25 sacks last year, which kind of leads me to the reason I think he's a little bit of a winner this year from the transfer portal. They're bringing in a lot of good offensive line talent, Um, a guy from Washington after they won uh, the award for the best offensive line last year. They're bringing in a guy from Alabama, former four-star prospect. Um, bringing in uh, a few other guys. Plus, they're also adding weapons to his arsenal as well. They're bringing in Antoine Wells over from South Carolina, who kind of had a lost season last year um, due to some injuries as well, never really got to see him. But he had a fantastic season a few years ago, um, and hopefully can really rebound this year. As Ole Miss's number one wide receiver, along with Trey Harris returning this year. So he's got a good stable of weapons right there. And then even in the running game where they lost Quinshawn Judkins, they go and get a guy like Logan Diggs, who can at least replace a little bit of the production, not as good as Quinshaw Judkins, obviously, but a guy who can at least fill that role and supply some running talent to this to this team. Um so you know, not all the pressure is on is on Jackson Dart to kind of pull this team out of the mud, so I like a lot of the things they've added, they have one of the, I think they're like the top rated transfer class right now so they're doing a lot of good things, so um, we're starting to see Jackson Dart go a lot earlier in drafts I mean, I'm starting to see him in the second round, early third round, so um, he's becoming less of a value than he used to be, but for good reason I think um, all things are pointing up for Jackson Dart heading into 2024 and you know, another guy in kind of the same vein is Texas quarterback Quinn Ewers, who lost a lot of talent this year to the draft with Xavier Worthy, Jatavian Sanders, Zodanai Mitchell, all going to the draft and Texas went right back into the portal and restocked him with some of the best talent available. You know, Isaiah Bond over from Alabama had a nice war- uh, season over there. Uh, Matthew Golden, who had a little bit of a down season, you know, dealing with some injuries over there, but he's a, he's somebody I think is a fantastic receiver and could see a really big boost in value this year. Uh, and even Amari Knight Black, tight end from Alabama, who's going to bring another versatile weapon to that passing attack. So reloading really nicely there for Quinn Ewers, who's the Heisman favorite right now, kind of heading into 2024, and hopefully he can kind of clean up some things himself, but at least they're placing the weapons around him um, to help him succeed and putting him in the right situation. So he's another guy that I think really won from this early transfer period. Um, and, you know, even heading over to a few other guys that are kind of winners because their team uh, of what their team didn't do in, in this transfer portal. And, you know, starting off with South Carolina quarterback Lenore Sellers, you know, a guy that flashed. Um, in mop-up duty for Spencer Rattler in some of those blowouts. You know, even earned PFF's highest-rated quarterback rating, you know, as long as you take away some of the minimum thresholds and, you know, PFF grades for whatever you take that for. But he actually looked really good. You know, he showed off some athleticism, had some nice runs, um, showed some nice touch on some passes, you know, threw a nice back shoulder into the end zone, threw a nice deep shot for an end zone. So I thought he actually looked really good. Kind of a hidden gem, at least our company thought, in this recruiting class that, you know, was kind of dinged for some, some injuries he had in high school. Um, but all they did was go ahead and bring in Robbie Ashford from Auburn. You know, a guy that could never really seize the the starting job. Had plenty of chances, but not a guy that we're we'll really believing. And if that's really the guy they're going to bring in for competition for Lenora Sellers, I'm feeling pretty good about his chances to win this starting job. And another guy who who really benefited from his team really not bringing in any competition, and not that they weren't interested, but USC quarterback Miller Moss, who we saw have a really nice uh, a bowl game, maybe reinstilled some confidence uh, with Lincoln Riley to potentially be the starting option heading into this season. Um, you know, and they, and they had interest in Will Howard, they apparently had interest in Cameron Ward, they were kind of dabbling in a lot of quarterbacks, but they didn't really end up with any, except for uh, Diego Pavia, uh, a guy from UNLV, who was a little bit more of a rusher, not really an experienced passer, it's kind of a weird fit there, I'm not sure uh, he's really a guy that we really need to be worried about. So I'm, I'm fully on board with, at least for right now, Miller Moss being the starter entering the year, and you know, Lincoln Riley quarterbacks and the way that offense works, he, he is a guy that could potentially be on the rise this year, depending on what he's able to do with this offense opportunity. But taking a look at some of the guys who did actually change places this year, um, you know, guys like Will Howard, or from Kansas State over to Ohio State. We don't got to go too deep into him. You know, uh, this podcast is is in big support of Will Howard. He's entering the best situation over there at Ohio State, so he's definitely a riser this year. Um, you got a guy like Brock Vandegriff who was pretty much left for dead in that Georgia room, getting a shot to be a starter over there at Kentucky now. Um, so his value is on the rise depending on what he can do with his opportunity. Um, but the guy I really wanted to talk about here. Was uh, Mr. Austin Mack, the guy coming over from Washington, um, being plucked out from Kalen DeBoer to come over to him uh, at Alabama over there for a team that really doesn't have much uh, in the pipeline for quarterbacks? I mean, I know Ty Simpson is still there, um, but you know, given what they've done at the quarterback position, given you know the, the the change in staff right there, there's not a lot of allegiance to Ty Simpson right now. So I could see him going somewhere else and you know Austin Mack very good quarterback for this system I mean if you have our supplemental draft guide from last year Colin Decker uh, founder over here at Campus of Canton wrote a very glowing report about him you know big arm fits the system really well and you know with him coming over Julian Sain, a, a now five-star ranked recruit he ended up flipping over to Ohio State which essentially opens up the door for him to be the guy you know at least heading into 2025 and you know depending on how Jalen Miller will fits in this offense as well who knows if we could see Austin Mac even at some point this year, you know, depending on how much, you know, Keanu DeBoer trusts him or has seen him develop over the past couple of years. So he's a guy that I've risen in my rankings a little bit and a guy that has, has a really nice opportunity in front of him to possibly be the next quarterback for Alabama. Now let's head over and talk about some of the losers at the quarterback position due to some of the movement in the transfer portal. And I mean, we were just talking about Ohio State and some of the follow from there. I mean, it's hard not to pin uh, Mr. Devin Brown and even Lincoln Keinholtz as kind of losers in this whole thing. I mean, Ohio State was very active in the transfer portal looking for their quarterback. They were in on Cameron Ward. Um, they bring in Will Howard. And now on top of it all, they get Julian Sain to come in and kind of flip his commitment over to him. So he looks like he might be the quarterback of the future for Ohio State, which kind of leaves Devin Brown in Lincoln Kineholtz kind of floating uh, around in purgatory a little bit right here. So these could be two guys that we eventually see hit the transfer portal and end up in different situations. Now, I'm still a big fan of, like, Devin Brown's talent, and I still think he has a lot of tools to to work with, but this system was maybe never right uh, for him over at Ohio State. And I think another uh, interesting kind of losing situation here... Uh, is what's going on at Arizona State with, you know, we saw a freshman quarterback, Jaden Rashada, come in last year, earn, you know, the, the starting job as a true freshman, um, kind of had some shaky play a little bit and dealt with some injuries, uh, didn't end up playing out the full season. Um, they went into the portal and grabbed Sam Levitt from over from Michigan State, who, you know, some of our recruiting tier team over here at, at Campus to actually liked a lot better than Jaden Rashada, had a higher grade on him, um, coming into the year. So, I mean, this is going to be an interesting quarterback battle to watch. I'm still kind of leading towards uh, Rashada's way a little bit like that. I think some of the experience he got last year will benefit him in the long run. But either way, there's going to be a loser in this situation and someone who sees their, their value plummet a little bit because, I mean, there can only be one quarterback uh, to, to start the season, right, and be the quarterback for Arizona State. and And so one of these guys is going to definitely go down in value a little bit. And then I did just want to give some brief mentions to some guys who are kind of in some losing situations, maybe some smaller names. Um, a guy like Emery Williams, quarterback over at Miami, who showed some flashes as a true freshman. But they get Cameron Ward to come over from Washington State after uh, after convincing him to end up skipping the draft and coming in there, which I thought was a great move uh, for Cameron Ward actually in the long run. But it just means that Emery Williams is going to have to wait another year. Um, they also brought in a, a Poffenberger or Poffenberg to, to kind of compete for that quarterback two job or was at least being brought into to maybe compete for that quarterback one job job against emory williams coming into the year which kind of still favor emory williams in that situation but still i mean all them them bringing in all this talent at least shows me that maybe they don't believe fully in emory williams future as the quarterback there so that'll be a situation to watch over there and then you know cal mccord uh former ohio state quarterback another you know follow from the ohio state quarterback situation um you know Looks like they'd rather go into the portal and grab Will Howard, who a lot of people are even even like to say is a worse quarterback than Kyle McCord, you know. But maybe Ohio State really didn't didn't see it that way, so they you know were very active in the portal, and now they get another guy to come in, and they're they're okay with saying goodbye to Kyle McCord, who transfers down to Syracuse here, who who at least that that'll be good for Syracuse, the team that was struggling a little bit to find some consistency at the quarterback position and hopefully Kyle McCord can supply that for them but it's definitely a move down in his value and somebody that I I might not even really be considering as a Debbie asset anymore at this time the biggest loser in this transfer portal period though is you know in my opinion has to be Malachi Nelson uh, transferring down to Boise State Um, you know I don't necessarily think that Lincoln Riley wanted him to leave. I think, you know, there was maybe just some development there that needed to be had. This this was a guy who was recovering from injury last year. was only said to be, you know, even 70% halfway through the season. Um, so he's a guy that I think, you know, Riley wasn't really ready to entrust him with the starting job. And maybe in his eyes, he didn't like that. And he was just looking for an opportunity to start. And, you know, maybe there's a lot of Power 5 schools out there who who weren't really ready to hand him the keys to be a starter and you know, without even at least a competition coming in. So he decides to go to Boise State, who I'm sure promised him uh, the world to be the starter over there. And it's not to say that his value is dead. I think he's still going pretty highly in in drafts out there. And in this new world of the transfer portal, there's a very good um, chance that he has a great season at Boise State parlays that into another transfer up to another power five school and is right back in our good graces that's definitely a possibility but there's enough red flags here i think to at least be concerned about and at least warrants a drop in the rankings uh, heading into 2024 now let's head on over to the wide receiver position where you know i think there was a lot of moving parts this year um you know some guys leaving leaving better situations for other guys some guys joining uh, and getting better situations for themselves. And let's start there with guys who have kind of moved places and are definitely seeing a raise in value. Um, the number one guy to me here is Matthew Golden heading over to Texas. And, I, you know, I know they got Isaiah Bond, and I, and that's a big value rise as well, but I honestly think that Isaiah Bond was probably on the rise even if he stayed at Alabama. Matthew Golden is changing situations from, a, from you know, kind of, kind of a bad Houston team, I guess, with at least a bad passing attack there with Donovan Smith. Definitely didn't hit some of the highs that we thought he could hit as a passer. Um, and Matthew Golden and suffered for it. He also suffered with injuries and and whatever else is going on there. And, you know, a little bit of a a worse program as well. And now he's going to get the recognition over at Texas. Um, He was the first guy they signed this offseason as well. Um, so so they loved him. He was very highly ranked in the transfer portal as well. He's got a very versatile skill set, a guy that I like quite a bit, has some inside-outside versatility, is a guy who can contribute on special teams as well, had like two kick returns for touchdowns this year, very fluid mover, um, has some athleticism to him as well. So I think he's going to be a guy that we're going to be talking about quite a bit heading into the draft next year. Um, And and another guy that I think is one, actually actually two guys here. You know, one guy that joined... And one guy that's still there, you know, and that's looking at the Alabama wide receiver core with Jeremy Bernard coming in that we mentioned at the top of the show here in in the news, um, coming over to be part of this this wide receiver core that really doesn't have a lot going on, doesn't have a lot of production to his name, Uh, saw some guys leave as well, saw some guys enter the draft, um, and, and he's a guy that, you know, Kalen DeBoer really likes, I could see him getting some really good playing time here at Alabama, And, you know, uh, an incumbent there as well in in Jalen Hale, you know, freshman from last year, ended up breaking some of those year one zero thresholds. Wasn't a guy that me and Mike were were super into, you know, we were worried that his skill set was a little bit more um, Ja'Cory Brooks-esque. And I, I don't know if I actually believe that he isn't more of that type of wide receiver, but he's at least showing a little bit more right now. And he definitely has the opportunity in front of him, so it's hard not to say that he's a riser coming into this year. And he offers a skill set that I think that that room is missing right now, which means that he could be at least looking at a role. Um, you know, you saw how, how Kalen DeBoer used a guy, even like Jalen Polk, who I think even kind of compares well to to Jalen Hale and his skill set as well. So um, there's a chance that Jalen Hale could really break out. You know, in the type of this type of offense here. Um, another guy that changed places, you know, one of Mike's misfits, one of it one of his guys that is kind of getting a much better uh, situation to go to here with. Uh former Cal wide receiver, Jeremiah Hunter, going over to Washington, and it looked obviously a lot better when Kalen DeBoer was there, and you know, after everybody cleared out, there was kind of a little bit of a depressing moment there, but they ended up bringing in Jed Fish from Arizona, and you know, Jeremiah Hunter's really the only option there right now, and you know, we saw what Jed Fish did with a number one wide receiver like the Torrey McMillan, who at least has, you know, a sort of similar skill set, you know, they're definitely a little bit different players, but at least I could see Jeremiah Hunter being in that role. Maybe he won't succeed as much in that role, um, but could be a guy that could fill it admirably at least until they figure out the rest of what's going on around them. So hard to say he's not a stock up here. He's going to get a really strong opportunity to at least show a little bit more of a skill set than he showed us at, at Cal over the last couple of years. Uh, I also think we got some really interesting G5 transfers this year, you know, none that I want to go into too deeply here, but you know, even Cyrus Allen, former Louisiana Tech going over to Texas A&M, you know, no Evan Stewart there, no weapon really there to stand out, and I think Cyrus Allen, you know, kind of a speedster, um, kind of a field stretcher a little bit right now, could be a guy that could maybe make a a, a case for himself in this offense, Um, or even heading over to South Carolina, where they picked up former Coastal Carolina wide receiver Jared Brown, who's... Kind of always been a little bit of an interesting guy. At least in C2C, I got him on a few rosters. You know, a little bit of a manufactured touch guy, but show some athleticism, show some good hands. Really intrigued to see what he could do in a bigger role at, at South Carolina, where they really don't have any weapons as well that, that stand out. Um, you know, a few other guys like Colin Lacey heading over to Louisville. We know what that what that um, wide receiver room has done for, for wide receiver value going forward. We saw what Jomari Thrash did in that, in that offense last year. And they profile as slightly di- s- different players. But there are some similarities there, too, from from a size standpoint, um, some of the things Conley's, he does as well. There Maybe there's this, a situation here where he could kind of line up to be the next Jamari Thrash in this offense, um, you know, but but they play different positions a little bit. He's more of a slot guy, so that'll be an interesting situation to at least watch. He does have a more similar skill set to a Jamari Thrash than some of the options that are in this room right now, at least. And the last guy here is CJ Daniels going over to LSU, a room that's just begging for some options right now. and. I'm not really sure I love C.J. Daniels as a player. Definitely more of a possession wide receiver. You know, I was even reading an article the other day that um, credits him with a 4.88 40-yard dash coming out of high school. So not, it's so not the greatest number, really. But still, a, a situation where there's more than enough opening for him to make an impact. And I think he does a lot of things really well. He's very good body control, um, very good hands, uh, very good uh, sideline awareness. You know, he does a lot of... Th- really good things at the point of the catch but there's still a lot of elements to his game like the route running like like separation that i'm not sure are fully quite there yet so it'll be interesting to watch his transition at the power five level but still a guy that you guys should at least have on your radars heading into 2024 now let's head over to the other side here and talk about some of the losers at the wide receiver position and let's start right at that Texas wide receiver spot that we've been talking about a lot this this episode. And I still love this guy's talent, and I still think he has a lot of upside. But it's hard not to say that John Tay Cook is a little bit of a loser here, just because of like some of the playing time situation here. You know, they brought in Matthew Gold, and they bring in Isaiah Bond. They brought in uh, Amari Knight Black, even another uh, receiving option, and they even brought in Silas Bolden from Oregon State, who who's a, a nice slot wide receiver could at least help fill that. Uh, fill that wide receiver core a little bit, and make Jonte Cook a little bit more of a depth option, or at least, I'm still hopeful he's a guy that'll at least rotate in, you know, at least as a third wide receiver, third, fourth wide receiver, and get some playing time, but... Given what we were thinking heading into in into last year, thinking he could be a strong part of this offense, you know, he was even being rumored to be groomed in that Xavier Worthy role for this year. Uh, it's hard not to be disappointed, at least with with some of his surroundings and how that room really got filled up on him, and how I think they're a team that's really going to be looking for, um, you know, another see C- uh, another college football playoff uh, uh, run this year. So they're not going to be a team that's going to want to keep getting a lot of young guys in there. So it'd be interesting to see how much Jonte Cook has has developed over the past year and how much they trust him to be on the field going forward. Still a skill set I'm very high on, and I don't think he should, he should go outside at least the first four rounds uh, in any kind of startup right now, but definitely a guy that we're going to have to wait a little bit for and pump the brakes on a little bit until we see wh- how it progresses uh, going through 2024 here. I also think a guy here that lost a little bit from the movement... Um, maybe even two guys here, all will pair together here, is Jane Greathouse, a wide receiver over at Notre Dame, um, just because some of the talent they brought in, you know, a guy that we kind of liked from a technical standpoint, we were a little bit worried about some of the athletic uh, limitations there, but we we're at least optimistic he could maybe shine as a more technically refined wide receiver, and he did break some of those year 1-0 thre- thresholds, but didn't really earn a, a, instill a lot of confidence coming into this year that he's earned like a starting position, and then even Mr. Bo Collins coming over from Clemson, uh, who flashed as a freshman coming over to this Notre Dame passing attack that, I mean, their wide re- their top wide receiver last year had, like, less than 500 yards was their slot wide receiver, Chris Tyree, who was a former running back. I mean, there's just not a lot of good talent coming out of Notre Dame right now, and on top of it, they bring in Chris Mitchell, a wide receiver who is probably going to earn some playing time um, coming over from FIU, but... They also bring in Riley Leonard over from Duke, quarterback there, to be their quarterback, who's a guy that I'm not very excited about as a passer. You know, he has grown a little bit, but he's never been a guy who sustained a lot of fantasy success for for a lot of his wide receiver options there. He's a little bit more of a rusher as well, and he's a guy who's dealing with some ankle issues this, inju- this uh, offseason, just had surgery on that ankle, so he's going to be missing winter workouts. He might miss the start of spring as well, so that's a lot of time that chemistry could be being built with these guys that maybe might not... The um, form as quickly as we were hoping. So this could be another team that relies on defense, relies on the running game a little bit more, and 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 really sees these wide receivers suffer because of it, and see another drop in value for them going forward. And you know, last but not least, I did just want to give a shout out to anybody who's still kind of on that Mario Williams train from USC that was hoping he could you know kind of kind of come into something. I'm pretty sure most of you have hopped off by this point after you know kind of two years of subpar play at USC. Um, But he's transferred down all the way to Tulane. And I know Tulane's not exactly a bad G5 school or anything like that. But, I mean, Mario Williams was very high in a lot of rankings at one point. And I'm I'm sure there's a few believers still out there. But, I mean, I'm hoping you see this transfer down to Tulane. And that'll be the final nail in the coffin for you to move on from Mario Williams. Maybe even take him out of your rankings completely like I have. Let's go ahead and head on over to the running back position. Take a look at a couple winners on this side of the ball here. Let's let's start over at Florida. Um, the Florida Gators here. Who saw the transfer of one of their two backfield mates. In Trevor Etienne heading over to UGA. Uh, and that leaves Mr. Monchel Johnson. As the main back here at Florida. Now... There were parts of his profile that have worried me over the past, like Etienne definitely had some better efficiency, only by a minor little bit, but did have some better efficiency metrics, did look better in some of the metrics over there despite, you know, a slightly less workload over the past two years, but Montreal Johnson hasn't looked bad at all, has gone over 800 rushing yards in all three of his collegiate seasons, um, has been a fairly consistent player, I mean... 2021, average 5.2 yards per carry. 2022, average 5.4 yards per carry. 2023, average 5.4 yards per carry. I mean, he's essentially... The the only thing you kind of worry about with him is if there's been a lot of growth there. But he's done a lot of things really well. And now he's going to be headlining this backfield and possibly seeing even a bigger role than he's ever seen depending on what he does with his opportunity. Now, another guy that's kind of benefited greatly from uh, his backfield mates departing a little bit is over at LSU with... Uh, True freshman last year, Caleb Jackson, guy listed at 222 pounds, 6 foot, um, has run a 10.6 meter, 100 meter dash, so a size speed freak, really flashed last year too. Definitely uh, from a play strength point of view, uh, got a couple touchdowns, got some high value touches as well towards the end of the season. It looks like he's going to get a pretty good chance um, to be at least a a decent chunk of this LSU backfield. I mean, Josh Williams is a guy that looks like he's going to return uh, for his sixth season at LSU, but you lose Noah Kane, um, you lose Bradford, you lose Logan Diggs over to Ole Miss, uh, and that essentially leaves Caleb Jackson and Josh Williams as the two most kind of senior guys here, Um, and I'm sure Josh Williams will get the opportunity to head this backfield, at least in the beginning, but there's no doubt that Caleb Jackson is the more talented guy, and the guy with a lot more upside, so I'm hoping the more he shows and the more opportunity he gets, he eventually starts to take more of that role uh, throughout 2024. He's a guy that I think I have, you know, within my top 15 rankings uh, for running backs right now, um, going higher and higher in WWE. I see. So, so some people are starting to pick up on it a little bit but definitely a guy I'm excited to watch kind of develop this season uh, in his new role for LSU going forward and a team that doesn't have uh, going through transition through the quarterback position doesn't have a lot of wide receiver weapons. I mean, this running game could be a really strong part of this LSU team, and Caleb Jackson could be a huge part of that. Um, and another guy here that I just had to give some love for, um, Mr. Chip Train, I'm um, Train, I'm um, former Arizona State running back, headed over to OSU to be linebacker, uh, switched back over to running back. Definitely flashed that times at, at Ohio State. Definitely, uh, you know, suffered with some efficiency problems as well. But I think he's a highly athletic guy. Um, has a really nice build to him heading over to Kentucky now to kind of fill that role that we've seen with guys like Chris Rodriguez with guys like like Benny Snell with guys like even Ray Davis this past year he really fits the mold of this type of running back and they really don't have anybody else in that room to fill that role so he's gonna get a chance here to kind of headline this backfield, and and we've seen that that Kentucky has kind of a knack for getting running backs into the NFL and we've at least all kind of made an impact in some sort of way I mean Chris Rodriguez even scored a couple of touchdowns this year uh, Benny Snell um as a the backup was flashing and got a couple opportunities to be a starter as well. So I'm really interested to see what a guy like Trainham, who I think is is an uber talented guy, a little bit raw, but I'm really interested to see what he can do with his opportunity here at Kentucky. Uh, there's a few other guys here that I think have kind of um at least benefited from people not bringing in talent. You know, a, a place like Alabama who could probably bring in, you know, just about anybody they want to. There are some good guys Uh, in the portal as well like a Quinchon Judkins Um, that that could have came over but Alabama seems to be pretty happy with what Justice Haynes and maybe even Jamarian Miller could bring to this offense so it looks like they're going to be sticking with them and you know we saw what Dylan Johnson did in this offense last year for Kalen DeBoer Um, and and I think we can all agree that Justice Haynes is you know maybe 10 times the talent that, that Dylan Johnson is so really excited to see what he could do in this offense maybe the volume won't be the exact same with some more talented backs behind him but I'm still pretty excited for what he could do this role. And even from a reception point of view, um, you know, we saw Dylan Johnson catch quite a few passes last year as well. I'm excited to see what Justice Haynes is going to do in this offense. And then over at Illinois with Caden Feegan, they really didn't bring in any competition for him. Um, you know, this guy was a freshman last year, kind of a size, speed freak. Definitely a little bit raw, but flashed at a lot, during a lot of times last year. Finished as their second leading rusher. Um, got four starts. Didn't didn't rush for less than eighty yards in any of those four starts as well. So a guy that I think you know definitely has parts of his game that are gonna that, that need to keep developing. But they're losing Reggie Reggie Love. Um, who sent it over to to Purdue via the transfer portal? So he's out of the picture. A guy who led the team in rushing last year, and it has always been kind of a respected veteran over there, but maybe not the flashiest running back. Um, and then you know Josh McCray is still around, but he's been dealing with injuries for the past two seasons and really hasn't been able to build on that freshman season. It looks like Hayden Fegan had already jumped him um, in the pecking order last year, so he's going to get a great opportunity this year to be to be a guy. Uh, that maybe we can look at a little bit harder, and hopefully we see some development um, w- with the opportunity that he's going to get this year. To to had a very run heavy offense over there at Illinois. And one other guy that I just kind of want to throw out there is a G five transfer up. That I'm, you know I'm kind of interested in. You know with with geor- former Georgia State running back Marcus Carroll headed over to Missouri here to kind of take over that role that Cody Schrader uh, left behind. They did bring in Nate Noel as well. Um, so I don't know if there is going to be kind of a battle, but Marcus Keller was the first guy that came in there. He's a guy who is used to a very high volume role that he had over at Georgia state. Um, you know, and he, he didn't play the best competition over at, uh, at Georgia state either. But I mean, one game that we did see him play a, a power five team in LSU, went over 130 scrimmage yards, scored a touchdown as well, averaged 5.8 yards per carry. So he looked fine at that level. And we saw what this team did for a guy like Cody Schrader, who I don't think that any of us really believe that he's overly athletic or, or, you know, one of the more talented running backs uh, in college football right now, but he was a great story, and I think Marcus Carroll coming over here could fill that role pretty admirably. He's got good size, 5'10", 210 pounds, He's going to be a guy that I kind of want to watch this year. See how he progresses at the Power 5 level, facing those SEC defenses at Missouri. You know, their passing uh, attack really took a step forward last year as well. They're returning a quarterback, returning Luther Burden. Um, so I, I think he's got a lot of things going for him in this situation. It could possibly be one of these G5 guys that make the transfer up and, and be a guy that we're talking about maybe at the Senior Bowl next year as well. That's possibly one of those Day 3 risers. Now, heading over to the other side with some losers at the running back position. And honestly, me and Mike had a hard time even coming up with names. Our our list is kind of short here. Um, You know, I even thought of some guys, you know, Raheem Sanders going over to South Carolina. But then I even thought to myself, is that even a step down from what Arkansas is right now? (laughs) Uh, Maybe workload-wise, I I know South Carolina likes to move the ball around a little bit more. Um, But, you know, we did see, you you know, I know it was a long time back now, but even Kevin Harris leading that backfield. Um, Can Raheem gain that kind of control back over a backfield or is he going to kind of fall victim to a little bit of a rotation here? That's one of the concerns heading over to South Carolina uh, or even heading over to Georgia where we were kind of excited for maybe what Roger Robinson was going to be able to do. Uh, a freshman from last year, kind of a size speed guy, a little bit of a, of a raw guy, but um, a guy that definitely flashed a little bit in some limited time last year. Um, But then they bring in Trevor Etienne over from Florida, who obviously is going to lead this backfield, leaving Roger Robinson, you know, probably at best a number two in this offense. But, you know, they like to include a pass-catching guy kind of like as that number two guy. And I don't know if Roger Robinson can really be that guy. So uh, I'm eager to see who's going to kind of fill this role here and who's going to kind of run, if it's going to be an ugly three-man rotation. So you're just waiting another year to kind of see what Roger Robinson can do because I'm sure Etienne, after a strong season at at Georgia, is going to be going forward into the NFL draft. Um, And then, you know, even a couple more names here you know like Ole Miss at one point it looked like freshman running back Kendrick Griscono was going to get an opportunity I wasn't really willing to call him a call him a loser though because there's still a good chance he could kind of work in tandem with Logan Diggs and still kind of show some stuff but still didn't get much playing time last year I wonder if they're not really happy with his development if he's going to be a guy that we we should really be uh, caring about I've dropped him in my rankings a little bit and then even even over at Ohio State with a guy like like Dallin Hayden, you know they bring in Quinchon Judkins. Travion Henderson returns for another year. Um, what's going to happen with Dallin Hayden? We've been waiting so long for him to potentially be the guy um, that's going to head up this backfield, and he just keeps falling further and further down the depth chart. And who knows who they bring in next year after that? And who knows if if Quinchon Judkins wants to stay another year or whatever? I mean. I don't even know if I'm really considering down Hayden a really strong Debbie asset right now. It's, it's hard to pull the trigger on a guy that you've been waiting for this long. Um, unless it's like a super late draft pick and like a, like a C2C startup or something like that, I just want to stash the guy and see what's going to happen. So he's definitely a, a little bit of a loser there. So th- those were kind of the names we came up with, uh, as losers at the running back position, but yeah, there wasn't really a ton to, to go off of. So, um, yeah, that's going to kind of wrap up our winners and losers from the transfer portal. Um, I know this kind of ended up being a little bit of a short episode. Kind of tried to squeeze it in. I just wanted to give you guys something to listen to without Mike around. You know, kind of bailed on me a little bit last second. Um, but, you know, it was, it was a little bit hard to try to pull somebody together to, to kind of come on the show. So at least give you guys something to kind of listen to and keep that consistency going. You know, we don't like to miss episodes here. So we're at least going to put something out there for you guys to listen to. And You know, next week, make sure you guys come back. Check out, what, come listen to what Mike has had to learn from the Senior Bowl. You know, his risers, his losers. We'll definitely. definitely a little bit more into that and we're definitely going to get into a little bit of a freshman preview here with you know a lot of the freshmen have committed to their places we've started to get a good look at a lot of these guys so i think our early introduction into the freshmen looking at you know our top tens of the class and stuff like that um going to be coming up in an episode here shortly so make sure you guys come back next week that's going to wrap it up for me here today um i've talked your guys ears off enough you're probably sick of listening to my voice so from Corey and from mike i guess good night and good luck We'll